The scripture lesson this morning, as I mentioned earlier, comes from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 4. I'll begin reading in verse 1 and read down through 13. Now Jesus returned from the Jordan River, full of the Holy Spirit, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. There he was tempted for 40 days by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and afterwards Jesus was starving. The devil said to him, Since you are God's son, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus replied, It's written, people won't live only by bread. Next, the devil led him to a high place and showed him, in a single instant, all the kingdoms of the world. The devil said, I will give you this whole domain and the glory of all these kingdoms. It's been entrusted to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. Therefore, if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It's written, You will worship the Lord your God and serve only him. The devil brought him into Jerusalem and stood him at the highest point of the temple. He said to him, Since you are God's son, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and they will take you up in their hands so that you won't hit your foot on a stone. Jesus answered, It's been said, Don't test the Lord your God. After finishing every temptation, the devil departed from him until the next opportunity. Here ends the reading. May God grant us wisdom and courage for interpretation. You've probably heard a few sermons on this story before today. I would imagine most focused on what Jesus and the devil said to each other. Uh, by the way, devil here is with a little d. The word in Greek is diabolo, which literally is translated tempter. So get that in your minds from the outset of this story today. Jesus is not battling against a red pitchfork-toting singular embodiment of evil. He is battling against temptation. And we're not going to focus on what Jesus and the tempter were saying to each other in the story today. More bread, more power, and more protection. Jesus turned all those down. Instead, I want to focus on where this story happened and how they got there. The author here in Luke called it the wilderness, but I suggest the bulk of the struggling while in the wilderness went on inside Jesus' head. He could have been physically tempted just about any place, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually, he could have still experienced much of the same thing without going almost any place. I have a sneaking suspicion that many of us here have been in some kind of a wilderness ourselves at one time or another. I think we've all been there. It might have looked something like a hospital waiting room for you. It might have felt like a cheap motel room bed the day you got kicked out of your house. It may have even looked or felt like the parking lot outside your old workplace. That one terrible day you lost your job and as you headed back out, you were so dazed and confused by the voices inside your head and the trauma of all of those experiences, you couldn't even remember where you parked your car. You were in shock. Sometimes these voices whisper. Other times, these voices inside our heads, they yell, they rant, they rave. Still, other times, these voices, they deafen us with a silence that sucks us into a desert place right in the middle of our very own existence where we beg 
for a word of hope from God, a word of reassurance, and yet nothing is heard sometimes but the wheezy, panic-stricken sound of our own breath as we take it in and let it go back out of our own bodies, almost detached from the rest of ourselves. These voices that come to us in our heads, uh, they come to us in a variety of settings and tones. They meet us in good times. They meet us in bad times. And when we start battling these voices, if we're not careful, we can lose track of where we are. We can lose track of who we are. And we can lose track of what is truly important to us in life. The only way to know sometimes if we've been listening to these voices in our heads is to look around for what we normally count on to save our lives and look around for who we count on to save our lives. But this is extremely difficult because these voices, they don't just leave us alone all that much. But when we have that moment of clarity, when we have that moment that breaks the voices for a minute, that one tiny window where peace shines into our souls and just for a while the voices leave us alone, We know we've been led astray when we look around and there's no food, there's no power, there's no protection, just a Bible-quoting devil and sand as far as the eye can see. Now, I bet none of us ever asked to be in a situation like that. In fact, most of us spend a great deal, if we're honest, of time, trouble, and even money trying to stay out of wilderness situations like that. But I have never met anyone who didn't occasionally listen to those alluring voices that show up inside our consciousness, in our heads. I have never yet met anyone who never wandered a bit and at least took the scenic tour for a while in some kind of wilderness. It can happen so quickly can happen in the blink of an eye. The, the minute we listen too long to those darn voices and we lose our ability to multitask and we set ourselves up for some real misery when we listen to those voices and we start wandering. You know something, not all of the trips to the wilderness are bad in the end. Sometimes we learn a great deal about ourselves when we face suffering But it is extremely uncomfortable at best, and if we're honest, those wilderness situations have become downright painful most of the time. Now, if you're here and you've been listening to those voices a little too much and you happen to find yourself in a bit of a wilderness stretch at the moment, it's not all bad news, as I said. In fact, it might be good news that you're starting to figure out where you are. That's so key, realizing where we are in our journeys at any given point in time and being honest about it. Because once we realize where we truly are, the wilderness can be one of the most reality-based, spirit-filled, life-changing places on our journey that anyone can ever be. Take Jesus, for example, here in Luke. Luke wants us to know, even though Jesus was battling these temptations, these voices inside his head, that he was still full of the Spirit. It took very little for him to survive. He had no food, it seems, for a while. He was there for weeks, and at the end he was famished. But he did survive. The voices led him to experience the edges of what he could endure, but he did survive. And it seems that even Jesus learned a great deal about his own limitations. 
The wisdom about the value of these wilderness detours is just about lost on us in American culture. For that matter, it's almost lost on the Christian tradition that is charged with preserving the value of battling these voices and having an occasional wilderness detour. Now, those of you who still practice Christian season we call Lent, you might get just a tiny dose of it every year about this time in Lent. Even if it is reduced to cutting down on how much you drink or what you eat or putting a dollar into a piggy bank every time you muster up the willpower to forego another dessert, the tiny kernel of wisdom is still there in Lent for those who follow. Anyone who wants to follow Jesus all the way to the cross needs the kind of growth and the kind of clarity and the kind of self-awareness that can only come from battling these voices inside our head and having a bit of this wilderness experience. So I invite you, friends, to consider structuring your battle with these voices and intentionally wandering into a bit of soul-searching wilderness these days leading up to Easter. It's actually far less painful when you plan for it and you do it on purpose because then you get to set the limits a bit for the voices you listen to inside your head. So for Ash Wednesday, which was this past Wednesday, on to Easter Sunday, maybe it wouldn't be the end of the world to open ourselves to the possibilities of what we could learn in this Christian season of Lent where we celebrate wandering through the desert with Jesus these 40 days. We're perfectly capable of avoiding rich foods. We're perfectly capable, if that's it, of, of, of skipping a few loud parties with friends. We're perfectly capable of taking on some extra time to read or to reflect or to pray. And we won't die if we choose to repair some of the relationships during Lent, which is also a common practice with people that we've been kind of putting on the back burner, you know, perhaps it's time to take a moral inventory and set that lunch date with that someone we've been mad at. It's called Lent, which comes from an English word meaning spring. Not just referring to the crocuses pushing their ways out of the earth in this season on the earth leading up to Easter, but spring also referring to the greening of the human soul. The human soul that has been readied by repentance, made hungry by fasting, steadied by self-appraisal and tended with reflection or with prayer. Lent is not about punishing ourselves for being human. And Lent is not about just giving up chocolate or coffee. You might do better to give up being a jerk. It might be better to take up Pilates or cycling class, I don't know. I don't blame anyone who celebrates Lent in any form or fashion. I don't blame those who pass on it either. But if you intend to do battle sometimes and to gain on those voices that sometimes show up in our heads, and you find yourself in the weeds a bit more than you'd like to admit, maybe it's time to give Lent a try and set just a few boundaries proactively for where you're willing to go. Choosing intentionally for a, few weeks, for a few weeks to kind of wander off the beaten path can be far dangerous than thinking one is on the right track, but not realizing one is at a dead end or near the edge of a cliff until it's too late. I know people who give up their cell phones for Lent. Can you imagine? I know others who fast from social media. They even hang a sign on their profile. It says, gone for Lent back in 40 days. See you on Easter. 
I know other people who give up watching TV or certain shows that seem to draw them in. Some go on a fast from consuming or buying things. Instead, they focus on appreciating what they already have. I know some people, they, they give up eating while they are on the go and they try to sit at a table for every meal they can and pause long enough to say grace while they eat and look at a person they love right across the table from them and actually talk. In a culture where we have conditioned the voices in our heads to always tell us we need more, to tell us we need more right now, and to tell us that we're not enough just as we are, I'm impressed with anyone who decides to make it without numbing these voices for a while and to give up devices or habits or substances they use to keep themselves from hearing these voices really clearly. You know, that's kind of what we do, I think. We all do this stuff so we don't have to listen to these darn voices in our heads. We stay so busy so we don't have to really hear what we're being tempted with or what we're actually facing inside us. So we never face the voices, we never address what the voices are saying to us, we try to run, we try to stay busy, we try to ignore them, we try to pretend that temptations or whether it's our own inadequacies barking at us or these insecurities that keep creeping up on us, we try to pretend they're not there, but the truth is they're always there because we're human. And almost every single one of us uses something to drown out these voices inside our heads, murder mysteries, Facebook, I don't know, reruns of the West Wing, shopping, or at least looking at catalogs or online sales, even if we don't buy anything. Some of us use red wine or gin and tonics. I'm not saying any of these things in and of themselves are awful. What I'm saying is we use them to distract ourselves sometimes. And by distractions, I mean we reach for these things when we are tired. We reach for these things when we are sad. When we are afraid to, come to confront what the voices inside our heads are telling us about ourselves, how we're doing in life, in our jobs, in our present situations, we use all these different things, and only you know what it is in your life. We use them to numb out and to not think about what's truly going on and to keep us from really just confronting those voices in our heads. Instead, we stick our heads in the sand and we use these things to do it. Most of us cannot go straight from hearing these voices inside our heads tell us everything that's wrong with us, everything we should be doing, and go directly instead to hearing that still, small voice of God right in the middle of our wilderness. If it were that easy, churches would be packed. If it worked like that, Lent would not be 40 days long. It would last 20 minutes, right? But instead, what we have are 40 days or so, not counting Sundays, that lead up to Easter to find out if we dare what life is like without one or two of the usual things that distract, we distract ourselves with, should we choose to make that effort. I'll warn you, though, once you take your headphones off, the silence can be deafening at first. Once you turn the TV off a little bit, night can feel really long. After a while, you can start thinking of all of this as quiet emptiness, or worst case, howling wilderness. And you can start to believe that it's a sign things have gone really badly wrong. But if you remember to breathe, if you remember that you are not who these voices say you are, if you remember that in God's eyes, you are a beloved child of God and that you 
are enough, that God made you wonderfully, that you're a person of sacred worth, you can get used to the sound of your own heart beating when you quiet down, the sound and feel of your own breath getting drawn into your lungs and expelled from your chest, and you can get used to the sound of your own pulse. You might even be able to sleep a little while, and you might even be able to wake up more glad to be alive than you ever remember before. When things are quiet, you can listen, and you can listen carefully instead of running from those voices, and you can think clearly enough to realize they've been lying to you, and you can tell them so. You don't have to pacify those voices inside your head. You can actually call their bluff and show them who you truly are by standing tall in your own skin. What is it, my friends, that you normally use to numb your senses so that you don't listen so much to the voices inside your head? Whatever it is, I dare you to give it up for Lent. Give up that pacifier. And after you've reached for your pacifier a few times and remembered it's not there, not because someone stole it, but because you made the conscious decision to give it up, then you might just discover a whole new level of conversation with yourself, and it might surprise you to rediscover that you're really pretty great, my friend. I don't know exactly what the voices inside your head try to tell you, only you know that for sure. But I do know from experience that once we quit trying to ignore them and drown them out, it's so much easier to just correct them and tell ourselves the truth. And the truth is, my friends, that you are who God says you are. Not the voices inside your head that keep telling you you're never enough because you are enough. Thanks be to God. Amen.